the Staff and Graph podcast. This is weird. My lock's been drilled, so I open the door and my steering wheel is missing. In looks or salad. You know what? You're trying very hard not to get sued. You can have all the talent in the world skating around, but if you don't have a goaltender, it does not matter. Team tidy business, baby. Welcome to the Staff and Graph Podcast. I am Mike Stevens of Sports Illustrated and the Hockey News. And sitting across from me is the person who the New Jersey Devils need four separate jobs to replicate the workflow of, Rachel Dory. Rachel, how you doing? I'm doing better than I was last night, that's for sure. That yeah. was uh, that was gut-wrenching. You and I were together, we watched a game, we were mm-hmm. planning to record, and I think both of us just at one point looked at each other and said, yeah, we're, we're not recording tonight. <laughs> Yeah, it's you're usually the person who like powers ahead like with recording Unsafely. as much as you can. Like it'll like you'll be like I'll I'll just be, you know, doing some work and I'll get a text from you, you know, before we record after your work day and you'll just be like, "Oh yeah, I know I threw up 17 times today." And I'm like, "Should we not record then?" And you're like, "No, like, well, let's just do it after." And yet like so we were yeah, like so behind the scenes, Rachel and I we were supposed to record after the Leafs game last night because we're like, "You know what? We'll get some instant reaction. You know, it'll be great." And then the John Tavares hit happened and that which we'll get into and we're going to get into it. And that really messed with me like that ruined my night. I woke up feeling kind of sick about it Um, and I we just weren't in the right headspace to kind of record. It would have been a really kind of downer podcast. Both Rachel and I have had, you know, our share of traumatic, you know, brain injuries that that we're still kind of dealing with. And it really kind of brought some stuff up like that. So. You know, it it was just uh, it was just a good idea for us to do it, you know, the next day. Um, Unfortunately, we're not going to be able to to have the Nazem Kadri uh, actual suspension um, handed out in time for us to record. Uh, So we'll be talking about it. So don't get mad at us because we're dated because we don't know what it is yet. But yeah, it, it was it was quite the. Quite the time, quite the last 24 hours or 18 hours, I guess, um, just with with the the highs and lows of the playoffs starting, the Leafs finally playing. And then, you know, 11 minutes into the game, one of the one of the scariest things we've seen on, you know, NHL ice. Yeah. And I think, you know what, like, let's let's go in chronological order here. So um, like two nights ago, like Nazem Kadri, literally yeah. like. We need to, there's a difference. So when you're evaluating the trade, I think it's, it's totally fair to say. Oh, are we doing this now? Are we evaluating the, the no, Nazem Kadri trade No, we're not evaluating again? the trade. I'm, go, oh, I'm, okay, I'm okay. sick and tired of people thinking the two things are related, uh, which is where I'm going with this. It's fine and okay. dandy to say the Leafs did not get enough value for Nazem Kadri. That is a totally acceptable thing to say. What it is not an acceptable thing to say is that you completely bypass the reason they had to trade him in the first place, and that is because mm. he is unreliable in the playoffs. And the Leafs made that decision, and lo and behold, for the third time in four playoff seasons, yeah. he is going to be suspended. So the reality is, yeah, you want a guy that plays on the edge, but it's addition by subtraction here, because as much as Alexander Kerfoot isn't as valuable as Nad- Nazem Kadri is, at least he's fucking playing. Right. There's a difference. you got to separate the two. Yeah. You saw what it did to the Leafs both years when Nazem Kadri was out. Like they built their team the year before Nazem Kadri or the first year he got suspended. So I guess 2018 he was their, their 2C. He had a great season. You know, he was thriving under Babcock as like a shutdown as a, you know, a shutdown center. But with, you know, some some extra pop. And then. I don't know. I think it was both seasons. Wasn't it both seasons he got suspended where he was um, he was essentially because Tavares was signed in 2018. Yeah, so it was both it was both seasons where he was their 3C and the Leafs they their their calling card was essentially we have three incredible centers, three centers who are borderline first line centers, if not at at the low end a top end second line center. And he screwed them for those playoff series. And the Avs, I mean, they're they're kind of going into this series against the Blues as the clear favorites, but for the rest of the playoffs, they're going, we have, you know, some incredible center depth with Nassim Kadri here, and he's just taking himself out again, and 
it's going to be like 10 games. Like it's going to be a long time. I, I wonder if the Avs will still be in the playoffs and they're one of my cup final favorites, but like with Nazem Kadri gone and everything, like I wonder if they'll still be in the playoffs by the time he plays again. Like, can you imagine? Yeah, they will be. They, the Avs are, the Avs are, the Avs are good enough to play without Kadri. I know, but can like, you, that's how deep they but can are. Can you imagine for the third time in four years, Nazem Kadri watches his team get eliminated from the press box because of a, like a stupid, and this, by the way, is the worst one. This hit, this is one of the dirtiest hits I've ever seen. It was Matt Cook. It was disgusting. On, like, I don't... Yeah, un- on Mark Savard. That's what I it don't was. understand what goes through your... Like, I know that you get super hyped up. Listen, I've, we've already talked about it. I've, I've been suspended, you know, a lot of games playing, uh, playing hockey growing up. I used to have that red mist, and it's terrible. I don't understand how you think it's a good idea and how it's going to justify or bring any value to the situation to take like 15 strides with your with a chicken wing out directing it only to the head pete blackburn posted you could honestly what he could have done there and he would have been totally fine doing this all he had to do was continue to stride because if you watch he slightly alters his Mm -hmm. direction all he had to do was continue in that path and him and falk would have met if he keeps his arms down it's shoulder to chest because he and Falk are roughly the same height it is shoulder to chest and it's while it does come from the side it would be a clean hit because there would be no head picking he only hit his head like we're talking about an in-person hearing right he's already been suspended twice in the playoffs he said well I can't do it again right and you not only did it again it's worse and I think the best part about this whole thing is that he's not considered a repeat offender because it's been oh my God. A more than 18 months. To me, the way I look at it is in terms of repeat offender, once you hit a certain amount of fines and suspensions, you should be considered a repeat forever. offender for the like either forever or for the next five seasons. So like instead of it being 18 months, for you it's five seasons. Yeah. Right? So if you are fined and or suspended for things not related to, like, you got fined for having too big a curve on your stick. Like, I'm talking disciplinary fines, right? Like, fines for violence. Yeah, like, Tom Wilson's fine. If you are fined or suspended more than four times in two consecutive years, like in two consecutive seasons, you are now on the repeat offender list. You don't get to come on. And you know, like they're going to throw the book at him. Like, I know that he's not technically a repeat offender, but everything, but like they saw the, can you imagine the, the backlash they're going to get after they botched the Tom Wilson thing, a, a, a team like the St. Louis blues, they want him suspended. If they don't give him at least five games, it's a joke. I'm no. I I think minimum. It's a complete. I think joke. minimum. It's going to be the the same like until the end of the series suspension that he got, which would be, five. which would be five. Yeah, but like, but it's not going to go five. So you can't just say end of series because they like conceivably Colorado could win the next two games and then he's only suspended two games. To me, I want like a hardcore number. I want five, six, seven. Like t- it can't be less than. Five. It should be like it. It it can't be less than. It five. should be ten. Like it should, it should be like this guy, this guy, he hasn't learned. Like how many times are you going to do this? And what ball, like the thing is with me is like, you know, you make mistakes and I have like, I have a quote up here, so I'll, I'll talk, I'll tie this in, but you make mistakes and you learn from them. That's what life is all about. You know, like uh, uh, Steve Dangle brings up this thing that, that Gino Retta told him all the time when he was working for junior hockey magazine when he was younger, which is you can make any mistake you want once. And that's true. Like you, like in my career, I've made a ton of mistakes, you know, like it's, it it happens, but you learn from them and there's, and that's kind of what life is about. You, you, you fuck up to be completely frank and you go, okay, that uh, the consequences that you don't do it again, the consequences that were dealt to me from that are extremely bad. I don't like the feeling of those consequences being leveled on me. I'm not going to do it again. It's the same kind of thing as, you know, how, how a baby learns that, that, the stove that, uh, uh, you know, heat is bad is when it touches the stove and, and it gets hurt and it goes, ow, okay, stove equals hot. hot like, that's bad. So, I ha- so na- but Nazem Kadri. <laughs> yeah, stove equals ouch. Stove <laughs> equals ouch, exactly. Or, you know, like you, you, you curse at your mom and she takes away TV for a week. You go, okay, cursing's bad because I like. Uh, what? Wait a minute. No, you get literal, a 
soap shoved down your throat. Yeah, exactly. Well, like I'm just using I'm just like, using an example here. Like it, like anything. You mean you're using a non you're using a nice parenting example. Oh, I didn't get the no TV. I got much worse, but I'm saying I got well, I didn't swear at my parents. My I did. brother got I'm an angry, soap down throat. I'm an angry guy. I, I, I know exactly. I can probably tell you what the brand, what different brands of soap are just by taste test. It's, it's great. But so now, but this is exactly the same thing all over again. Nazem Kadri, he gets the red mist. It's in a playoff series. It's in game two. So like it happened again in this and it, and he doesn't learn. So here's a quote from an article all the way back when Nazem Kadri was, um, uh, this was last season when he was kind of reveling in his role as as you know now being appreciated because there was this there was sort of the the narrative that the Leafs kind of did him dirty when they traded him. He was upset that he didn't get you know a long conversation from Kyle Dubas when he was when the trade was announced and he thought you know this that the other and he didn't want to leave Toronto and there were a lot of people that don't get suspended in the playoffs exactly. And there were a lot of people, my, you and I included, who were like, you know, like it sucks. The Kadri trade sucks. Oh, this, especially with Tyson Berry just crap in the bed left and right with the Leafs last year. Oh, it's terrible. What are the odds he does it again? So here's the quote. So it's this is from, I believe, a Sportsnet article where it goes, this is Kadri speaking. I knew it was going to get better and I wanted to provide more for the Leafs. They decided to go in a different direction and I'm OK with that, said Kadri, now embracing his important role on a U.S. contender. Kadri also acknowledges the role his back to back playoff suspensions against the Bruins played in his ouster but is confident he learned his lesson. Bit of a shit thing for me to go through, says Kadri. But you can't think I was going to do that again for a third time, did you? Two's enough. Well, Kat, well, Nazem, you did it again, and you put your team at a disadvantage again, and now literally, no matter what happens from here going forward, no matter what team you're playing on, no matter what position they're in, your general manager is going to, like, is go- is going to think twice before putting your name in stone in a playoff roster, no matter how good you are, because there's a there's a, a good possibility that you won't be playing for them that whole series. There's a greater than fifty percent chance that he gets. He's batting seven fifty. Like he, like no no no, he's only batting because oh, he had the twenty thirteen series with Boston, so he's he's batting sixty percent right now, which is still unacceptable. Yeah. Anyways. Okay. So, so that's you think it's going to be like, give me your final, because again, like this will, will, will look really dumb. It's the department of player safety. We're not going to, we're not guessing. That's true. It'll, it will look really dumb considering they're that gonna spin the wheel of fortune. This, this, like, this will come out do. right after, <laughs> right after the suspension, probably like by the time it's recorded and edited and everything. But I like, if they're smart, it should be 10. I think it'll be a to the end of the series again. And like, if he doesn't learn from this, then honestly, I don't know what his place in the NHL is anymore. Like what, like, uh, uh, what are you going to do? Like, what's the point? Anyway. I love that. That is the sound of another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run and grow your business. Shopify is a platform designed for anyone to sell anywhere, giving entrepreneurs like me the resources that were once reserved for big business. And it's customized to your needs. You get a great looking online store that really helps bring your ideas to life and tools to manage the day-to-day and drive sales. And I'm speaking about this from experience. I'm really passionate about bass fishing. And a little over five years ago, I started an e-commerce bass fishing brand with my best friend, Aaron, called Woo Tungsten. Actually, it's pronounced Woo Tungsten, W-O-O exclamation mark, because that's the sound you make when you catch a giant bass. And it was a no-brainer to do this on Shopify because they've made it so easy every step of the way from creating product listings to making discount codes to managing shipments. In fact, if you want to see what an e-commerce store looks like on Shopify, go to wootungsten.com and you can see. And it's no wonder that every 28 seconds, a small business owner makes their first sale on Shopify. You can get started by building and customizing your online store with no coding or design experience. And you can gain knowledge and confidence with extensive resources to help you succeed. Plus, with 24-7 support, you're never alone. It's more than a store. Shopify grows with you. This is possibility powered by Shopify. Go to shopify.com slash bluewire, all lowercase, for a free 14-day trial, and you'll get access to Shopify's entire suite of features. Start selling on Shopify today, just like me, just like Woo Tungsten, 
by going to shopify.com slash bluewire right now. That's shopify.com slash bluewire. All right. Least game recap. Is it okay? Let me ask you a question. Is it fair yeah. to say that that was a worst case scenario? Yes. Like everything you could have hoped for to not happen happened? Other than like Matthew, yeah. this happened to Matthews, like you're emotional. No, you just like, any, no, I'm, I, yeah. anybody, that happens to anybody. It's the worst case like, scenario. I, it doesn't matter that it's an $11 million player in the, like, that happens to anybody. And, and so I, I wanted to talk about this because yeah. everyone is, talks about like evaluating the game. To be like really, really honest, you can't take anything from that game yeah. because the second that something like that happens, it's different if a guy breaks an ankle, yeah, right, and and everything's fine. But when you have an injury that where you are legitimately worried about the livelihood of someone, where a stretcher has to come out, where we're talking about like a potential broken neck. Yeah, that was the first um, thing that you thought. Like you turned to me, you're like, "Oh my god, I think his neck might be broken." Yeah, like. And it was, it was really difficult to watch. Like you saw me, like I was basically in the fetal position like that. There is something about neck injuries, uh, and, and rightfully so with me that that I just, I can't do it. Um, and so I don't think it's fair to be evaluating the play of the Habs or the Leafs after, after that, because like, you don't understand when you see something like that. And that is your friend. That is someone, you know, that's your captain too. Like that's your leader. No, like I know any it's anyone, teammate, but that matters. I think but more like, when it's your captain, I no, I don't think so in this case. Like, I think it's, it's literally, that's your teammate. You're all like, you're all pulling in the same direction. When that happens, like the psychological impact is like incredible. And like you even saw Corey Perry yeah. after the game. That guy looked like he wanted to die. Like you could tell it was completely accidental. He actually tried to get out of the way. Yeah, he did. Um and and so like he talked about him and Tavares being friends and like you can't even imagine being in Corey Perry's shoes. And like yes, he has a reputation, but that was not it. No, not at all. And and he hasn't done something like that in a quite a while. Like we're talking years. And so I think everyone seems to be underestimating the impact that that had on not just the Leafs, but the Habs as well. It completely took the juice out of the game and it was going to be tough for the Leafs to come back. Like, yes, you have this win it for JT mentality, but emotionally, psychologically, like you're just not there in the same way. And so I hope like the Leafs have a fantastic uh, mental performance coach. They have programs that they use for the, the mental performance of their players. I just hope that, that those resources are available to them and that they're being used because a reset is super, super important here. Mm-hmm. If they're going to have any chance to get back in the series, because this is the type of thing that could completely deflate a team. And to be honest, rightfully so. There's only so much you can do from a mental standpoint in the moment like and this kind of lends like ties into the fight too that happened where yeah like everyone's criticizing it it's unnecessary it's blah blah the code whatever but Nick Foligno kind of summed it up best where it's like look it's your captain lying on the ice there and we like also they didn't get the 50 million replays of it in slow motion that we did yeah they didn't have the benefit of that and you know what I went back and I thought about it was the fight necessary and like should it have happened no it shouldn't have I could see Felino's reasoning of, you know what, let's get this done yeah. and over with now so that you don't spend the rest of the game like worried about people chasing you around and our guys don't spend the rest of the game like chasing you around. Let's just settle this now, even though the code is very dumb and we've talked about that. But I, I kind of give credit to both Felino and Perry for just saying, okay, like once this happens, it's done. We're moving on. Everyone's going to breathe. Like, I felt like it kind of did settle it from that perspective. I still don't think that it should have happened. Yeah, I I don't understand. Like, it's it shouldn't have happened. But at the same time, I think, like, I fought people for less than that. You're in the middle. Like, we talk about the red miss. It's not necessarily a red miss, but, like, that's your emotional leader. That's your captain. They didn't have the opportunity to replay this like crazy. And, you know, it just happened. Like, that's just the way it is. I don't know. Like, I, I, I don't really have an eloquent way of saying this. It's dumb. It's unnecessary. 
the fight, you know, it, 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 it's, it's one of the parts of hockey that it sucks. But like you said, they kind of, they fight so they can get it out of the way. Um, so it, they, they aren't, Corey Perry's not looking over his shoulder, wondering if someone's going to try and retaliate to him. Um, I think at the, at the time too, like they didn't realize that it was supposed to be, they didn't realize that it was intentional or not. Like, I don't think they really understood whether or not it was, it was, it was unavoidable. So, right. And it, and it like, let's just call it what, like it is one, it doesn't. And this was really heartwarming to see because I would say like 99% of people understood this. Um, it doesn't like in that moment last night and like even to a degree today, we should not be worried about, Oh my God, how are the Leafs going to replace Tavares's value? No, that's not what's most important. What's most important is that guy has two kids under the age of two. That is a human being. And we're worried about his livelihood. I could not give a rat's ass about how it affects the lineup of the Leafs. Like I really couldn't. Yeah, no. Right. In the grand scheme of things, like when Brad Marchand in his press conference today talks about hoping Tavares gets better and, and seeing that being extremely scary. And, and I'm texting back and forth with, with players in the NHL last night. And, and they're saying like, Hey, like, do you know anything? I'm like, I don't know anything. Like, how would I know anything? But like everyone is concerned about him as a person and the fact that that was such a scary injury. Nobody cares about the lineup and you really shouldn't because at the end of the day, like as much as Leafs fans want a series win and they want to go on a run, if you told them you can have one of two things, you can have a, a Leafs series win or you can have a healthy John Tavares who gets to live the rest of his life as a normal human being, you're taking option two. Mm-hmm. 100%. Right? And so we need to put everything into perspective. I think that's a super important thing that we need to be doing. Yes, you want to talk about impacts, that's fine. But we can't be talking about the impact of losing John Tavares as if that is the most important thing because it is not. Yeah. It really got to me, man. Like that hit, like that hit yep. really got to me. And the thing that, like I'm kind of even sort of frazzled talking about it right now just because I think about it and, I th- and, and you showed me or you talked about it I guess last night where his kids are watching it with his wife. They're, they sent a post saying, we're so excited to see our dad play and they tune on, they tune into that game and, you know, 11 minutes in or nine minutes in or however long it is, they watch their dad, like one of the, like their dad, their husband, whatever, first of all, receive that hit. But then also what really churned my stomach was falling back. Like was was him getting up the 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 train? Oh yeah, I can't even talk. About I know that. it, that's like and, full PTSD. And to see to see like someone you love go through that on national television, and then for the broadcast to play it like a hundred times, which we'll get into in the Kovalev shift. We're going to talk about everything from the newspapers to it being replayed seventeen hundred times. Like, don't do it. Stop doing it. You show the injury once or twice from a couple angles. We do not need a. 10 times slow-mo replay like we're just that's not a thing that anybody needs um especially people who have suffered traumatic brain injuries uh his family like nobody needs to see that we can as a society we can go on without seeing that yeah a hundred percent a hundred percent all right let's get into plot let's points. go into plot points trending up as coaches getting extensions Starting off with a relatively surprising one, I guess, which is Jim um, Blashill. Blashill. Yes, Jeff Blashill. Jeff Blashill. Jeez, Jim. I don't know what. Sorry. That's really weird. Because you're about to talk about Jim Benning. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, exactly. So, Jeff Blashill uh, resigned to a contract extension. This was relatively surprising. I didn't really peg him to be like an Iserman guy. Like he just kind of seemed like the guy who was there when he took over and is going to be, he seemed like a Brett Brown type, which is an NBA reference where when the 76ers were going through their trust the process era where they were just absolutely dog shit. um, I was literally there for all of this. In Philadelphia? Well, the Philadelphia 76ers are owned by HBSE. Oh, true. Yeah. Like our analytics department, which literally consisted of basically me, um, was like we had routine meetings with their analytics department that had like a bunch of Harvard PhD people in it. So yeah, like Ned Cohen and and like yeah, I mean 
there's there's some really smart people there. Totally. But like when they were going through that, they had like Brett Brown, who was the coach. And then he kind of stuck around when the team got better and you only got fired yes. last year. But he see like Blashill seemed kind of like that guy. Like he was the guy to kind of usher them through that that those tank years, those, you know, the years where they're going to be terrible and they have to keep sort of like I the overall big picture. But hey. Yeah, just to like. I think that's exactly what's happening here. Like, I think eventually, like, as the team starts to get good, and Blashill was in the AHL, so, like, um, player development, like, we know what Detroit's player development track record is, so, like, he can't be that bad at developing. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really what you're looking for here. You're not looking to have success right now. You're looking to develop the players. And so, um, do I think he's, like, the best guy for the job? No, I don't. But I don't think he's the worst guy either. And so... um, you kind of, I just keep with what's familiar and it's likely that by the time this contract is done, the wings will be in a different spot and they will have a different coach. Yeah. Now the other extension is not officially announced yet, but Darren Dreger. This is also surprising because it did not seem to be trending this way. It didn't, it basically, and, and this kind of jives with what's happened with the Canucks in the last few days, be it Jim Benning or now Travis Green. Like it's, it seems like it's going one way and then like all of a sudden it leaks and then like 12 hours later, it's the complete opposite. It's almost like they're leaking things to get like consumer perspective and they didn't, clearly didn't listen with the Jim Benning one, but they leaked that Travis Green wasn't going to be re-signed and people were like ready to have pro like there's going to be a protest at Rogers arena this weekend, like on Saturday because they want Benning out and they want the Aquilini's out. Yeah. And so, um, but tra- As Darren, they Darren Dreger reported and Rick Dollywall kind of alluded to it last night that, that things were moving in the right direction. Um, and there is a press conference that will have happened by the time you've heard this podcast with Jim Benning and Travis green. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if green's extension was, uh, was discussed there. And we're not done talking about the Canucks, by the way. That comes in the deep dive as well. Yeah, you get, you get, you know, you take sort of two steps backwards, one step forward, and yet it's still a net step backward, you know? I think that's kind of what it sums up. Well, Travis Green, like, getting him resigned is a step forward. Yeah, but keeping Benning on is two to three steps backwards. So it's... Exactly. Yeah, so no matter what, you're still kind of net, net backwards. All right, trending up is Clutch Taylor Hall, or more specifically, Rachel being right. (laughs) because this guy of course was legendarily terrible shooting percentage for his time in Buffalo. It was just a terrible situation gets traded for one of the worst returns I've ever seen for how has he been traded for like twice for two absolutely horrendous returns. It's just hilarious. What? Uh, And so now he's where he wants to be. He's in Buffalo and he is just living his best life. Two game time oh, goals. He he's he's fitting in perfectly. He doesn't have to be that primary scoring threat, and he's thriving in that role. It, it's just and his teammates clearly love him because they mobbed him and th- multiple times. And that goal, the first one of the game time goals that he scored, was unbelievable. It was gorgeous. I mean, uh, this, it's so funny. It's like, you know, talented hockey player with a track record of success gets traded to, or get signs with crap team. Everyone writes him off and then he comes and then he gets traded to good team. And suddenly he's the same player that he was always, except for that one little dip. Like it's, it's remarkable. Well, like I said it last, like a couple of weeks ago, maybe last podcast, um, he needed a shooter and a guy who was a, like that could support and Craig Smith is a notoriously good shooter, and David Krejci is one of the best supporting centers in the league. And so he that's exactly the recipe that helps Taylor Hall maximize his potential. And that goal, spinorama net front, was absolutely disgusting and nearly caused me cardiac arrest. Um, and it, it was hilarious because that happened... And then, like, literally last night, like, I have members of Canucks Twitter being like, she doesn't know Taylor Hall. And I'm like, are, uh, are, you, new? are you new here? You're, you're in, like, you are incorrect, members of you Canucks are, Twitter. You are definitely new here. Yeah. Because I'm sure, as Mikey could tell you, when it comes to Taylor Hall, my sources are pretty ironclad. <laughs> it's just so funny. I love that you're laughing. You're like, I can't even believe this needs to be discussed. Yeah, I, I just can't believe that this is even something that is a topic of discussion. Like, Rachel very clearly knows this guy, like, uh, has has history working the same team with him. 
Like it's good if anyone knows Taylor Hall and his output and his and you know like it's it's her. So let let's let's kind of calm down a little bit there, folks. Um, it's trending up as well. But yes, Taylor, please keep going. Oh, he's going but to. Also, could you not do ridiculous things because you will cause me cardiac arrest? Also, Taylor, just just sign with Boston. Just be you're happy yes. there. Just sign with them. It seems like a perfect fit. You've made a lot of money. You're still going to make some more money. Don't go, don't go chasing waterfalls, buddy. Just enjoy your fit and your success. All right. Trending up. People getting boothed. Yo, I love Mr. Booth. That guy, I'm actually literally DMing him as this podcast is going on. Bro, that guy like <laughs> has bamboozled me more times than I can count. And he is. He bamboozled Paul Bissonnette. He bamboozled Ray Ferraro. He bamboozled everyone. He did. And it's. It's remarkable. This the thing is 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 so what in case you don't understand or you're not on hockey Twitter, what Mr. Booth does is he's a, he's a <laughs> at Mr. Booth. He's a, Mr. Booth seven, I believe. He's a he's a um, account on Canucks Twitter, and he will an elite account. <laughs> and he will essentially just dress his account up as different people, like people. P- prominent members of the Canucks. <laughs> and so he changed. So the day so there was the day that Benning ultimately was extended for some crazy reason. And we're going to get to that always. Um, or also, um, he, he creates, he changes his username and display picture to that of Fra- Francesco Aquilini and puts out a inc- like identical looking press release statement. Oh yeah. He took the Canucks like press letterhead, release, like basically letterhead and font. And the words were also like the way he does it is, is he does it in the way that it would actually be reported. Like he doesn't, he doesn't go overboard. He doesn't use like slang. That guy could be in the Canucks. PR exactly. Department. He he writes it like a <laughs> PR person, but he just does it as pranks. And again, like he found, he also found a way. So there was that. Everyone got bamboozled on that. I got bamboozled on that. A mil- I did not. Well, congratulations. Because there have been far too many times where I'm at the point now where it's like, if I see something Canucks related, I have to check to make sure that it isn't Mr. Booth because I'm like, I am not not doing this like you sir have gotten way too many people and i will not be participating in that yeah i like i didn't i didn't tweet anything thankfully but i saw that and i believed it and i was like oh my god and then like 20 minutes later i checked it again and everyone's like everyone got booth i'm like god damn it i got booth but i didn't get booth publicly which is good <laughs> but then you got bamboozled i got i was i too was bamboozled hoodwinked led astray you know the the, the classic the title of this exactly. podcast bamboozled booth. or you got boothed just you got boothed. yeah really and then um bamboozled by booth and the other one was the a fake Brock Besser quote that he did in the perfect? He again took the TSN no JT Miller or quote. JT Miller. Sorry, he took the, he took the TSN you know player quote Instagram post sort of uh, uh, like template vibe and put together a quote that would sound like it came from a hockey player that was extremely extremely critical of the moves that happened in the front office over the summer and everyone fell for it. Ray Ferraro fell for it. Like I like until. Until I saw that it was coming. Oh, I had other media people yeah. texting me being like, did he actually say this? It was remarkable. And it and what the thing is, is that he knows when to strike. He doesn't do this with everything or else people would just no. people would just chalk it up as, oh, there's just Booth being Booth again. He does it. Exactly. He does it when it's a big thing where where news is coming in fast, where you where you don't necessarily check the handle. And he got everyone. Yep, he did. So it's <laughs> again, he bamboozles people like you wouldn't even um, like it is absolutely incredible this guy. It's so entertaining and honestly, for what I've been, like I don't want to get into it because I'm still very angry about it, but like for the nonsense that I've had to deal with with Canucks Twitter over the past 20 yeah. hours ish, um he, he, they don't deserve how good he is. He is goddamn incredible. They do not. Keep doing it, my man, because it is fantastic. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Before we hop into our deep dive, let's get a word from our sponsors. Support for today's episode comes from Manscaped. Manscaped has the right tools to get the job done quickly, safely, and hygienically. Father's Day is just around the corner, and you probably need a gift for your hairy dad. We'll make your dad proud this year and get him and yourself the Manscaped Lawnmower 4.0 in ultra smooth package. You know what they say like father, like son. 
The brand new Lawnmower 4.0 and Ultra Smooth package is perfect for you and the dad in your life to complete your grooming game. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code staffgraph at manscaped.com. Now, I don't know about you guys, but my dad's pretty hairy. He, need, he needs some products. And Manscaped is the only men's brand dedicated to below-the-waist grooming and their brand new shaving tools just dropped right in time for Father's Day. The Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer is now available in the U.S. and Canada. What makes this waterproof trimmer different from all the other trimmers? Well, let me tell you, folks. This 7,000 RPM trimmer features skin-safe technology to keep your balls in check and has helped reduce manscaping accidents around the world. A new multifunction on and off switch can engage a travel lock created for jet setters, and the Lawnmower 4.0 gives you the ability to turn the 4000K LED spotlight on and off whenever you need it for a more precise shave. Additional guard lengths with sizes 1 to 4 to let you trim for your liking, it's all there. I love investing in the best new technology and advancements, and I'm blown away by the performance. The craftsmanship and details on the 4.0 are next level. If you want to get the complete package, the Manscaped Ultra Smooth Package is a three-step kit to help you and your family jewels stay protected. Step one is the Crop Exfoliator. Infused with ingredients that can soothe, clear, and keep the skin on and around your groin feeling refreshed, reducing the risk of ingrown hairs by your delicates. The Crop Gel is where you see shaving with our unique Crop Gel just for the groin. And step three, it's time to shave. The Crop Shaver was designed for shaving your groin area with confidence. Three precision blades include extra-wide lubricating strips and a pivoting head for the ultimate groin grooming experience. All three of these vegan, cruelty-free, and sulfate-free products are included so you know your manhood is in good hands. Stop imagining your dad has it covered because he probably doesn't. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code staffgraph at manscaped.com. This is the perfect package for you and your dad's perfect package. Again, that is getting 20% off free shipping at manscaped.com when you use the pro staff graph. All right, Rachel, the season has, has the regular season has ended. A lot of, a lot of teams, a lot of losers, if you will, um, have, have cleaned out their, their lockers, done their zoom pressers. And we've learned a lot. Now, as someone who's worked in an NHL front office before, you know sort of the behind the scenes and, and what it looks like to manufacture that and what players can say, what they can't say, kind of how to read between the lines. Specifically, there are two teams, Canadian teams, that had dismally disappointing seasons with a lot of moving pieces, a lot of bad decisions, and a lot of seemingly disgruntled players. And we're going to... Can we, before we start, yes. can I make a public service announcement? 100%. 100%. Okay. Because I am frankly, I've been dealing with this for the last like 18 hours and I am frankly sick and tired All of right, it. And I know a go. lot of other people are too. And I'm just going to be the person to say it. What players and coaches and GMs say publicly is not necessarily what they're thinking. Yes. There is a difference between how a player actually feels and what they can say publicly. The prime example is Connor McDavid. Mm -hmm. Do you think that man who is... In the media, the most boring human being you could possibly imagine. <laughs> Very true. Says what he thinks. As someone who may or may not have connections to him, the answer there would be no. Yeah. Right? So when people say, oh, Taylor Hall said that he wouldn't wave, or Kevin Adams said Taylor Hall wouldn't wave, do you not think that maybe they are trying... Like, do you not think Kevin Adams is trying to save his bacon there? Yeah. Or people, like, people saying that... Uh, the, the NHL helped the Canucks. We know from Elliot Friedman's reporting that that was very much not the case, right? Players, what you can say publicly because of the hockey culture that exists is not how players or GMs actually feel. And it extends into the media. Media does not report everything they know. That's why it's called insider information. Yeah. Because I have had conversations with many, many insiders about things that never make it to any tweet or any sort of public like domain the filter is extremely extremely narrow like the like let's let's play a game okay let's do it how many things do i know that absolutely i absolutely couldn't tweet oh like everything every single text i get from you essentially is underlined with if you speak a word of this to anyone outside of you and i i will kill you and i believe that yeah like People who have connections and sources within the game, right? And I'd also like to point out that, like, the media connections, like, aren't the same as people that are like me that 
are either like they work in skills or like they work with an analytics department like Daryl Belfry for example his clients lists uh, starts with like Austin Matthews Patrick mm-hmm. Kane Matt Barzell that do you think that just because he's not a media dude he doesn't have sources the man texts Austin Matthews on a daily basis exactly like this is the thing is just because you're not a media person doesn't mean you don't have connections within the game right like that's such a stupid way to think of things and you also need to understand that when someone is speaking publicly like, I guarantee you, if someone showed up at McDavid's cottage this summer, or last summer, actually, mm-hmm. would be better. If someone showed up at his cottage last summer, like, maybe somebody that I know. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that what he was saying at his cottage in Muskoka is the same as what he was saying to the media? No, th- th- that's the thing. Like, <laughs> do you have any idea how many times I've been pissed off about something, but then someone asked me about it in, in like, you know, in, in a public forum and I, and I just deflect, like that's, that's all it's been like, you know, I'm at a new employer right now. Like I could have, I, I could have launched off about a lot of things about my last employer, but I didn't because like, whatever. Yes. So like that, like no one's going to, going to explicitly like for Jack, I like, or, or me. Or you, but there's a, there's a big reason why like when like Jack Eichel's statements were so uh, you know a couple weeks ago were taken so seriously is because like the filter on what star players say to like the media about being unhappy is so narrow that for those words to get out there and to transcend that filter means that the situation's basically irreparable. Like Connor McDavid being like, no, I'm happy here. Like we ought to keep grinding, whatever. Like, cool. But if he's, you know, got a couple beers in him on his, on his deck, you know, on his cottage deck or dock, I guess like he's good. He's clearly not going to be like, yeah, man, he has a deck too. Okay. On his cottage deck. He's not going to be like, oh yeah, I love the fact that like Gaten Haas was my most notable winger the whole year and that we haven't been able to get any talent. No, I love it. It's fantastic. Like, yeah. So like before you start accusing people of, not knowing or like, oh, well, they didn't say it publicly, so it must not be true. Uh, I could tell you, I have heard a lot of things that just absolutely can't be said publicly. Mm, exactly. So let's go through the two teams that are probably the most most notable or I guess most interesting and here. recent. Most juicy, I'd have to say. So we got Calgary and Vancouver. We'll go Calgary first because it seems like there's going to be a huge... A huge sort of sea of change there. Sea of red, if you will. Yeah. But like a sea of change because... Listen, it hasn't worked with this core, even though the players are right. saying it's worked with this core. Again, Milan Lucic coming out and saying, I do believe that we have the ability to win a Stanley Cup with this with this group. What's he going to say? Is he going to go out there and he's going to say, we suck. We need to trade all my all my friends that are in my in the locker room right now. The guys who I work out with and I see naked literally every day. No, we, <laughs> we got it. We got to get those guys out of here. That's going to make him real popular. No, he's got yeah. he's going to go and say, yeah, I believe, you know, everyone's good enough. And yeah, you know, like, again, over beers or, or you know, any kind of relaxed environment. He might any truth serum. He might go, what the fuck are we doing with Sean Monaghan as our number one center? Like, he's not good enough. For, like, yada, yada. So Johnny Goudreau came out. He made an impassioned plea to stay in Calgary. Now, you know, he actually like he, he wants honestly, to stay in just, Calgary. Yeah. We just talked about like players not really saying what they like mean publicly. And. Um, Jeff Merrick and Elliot Friedman pointed this out on the 31 Thoughts podcast. Like, it is rare for a player to actually come out and not be wishy-washy about it and and give themselves an out by saying, like, oh, like, it's part of the business, da-da-da. No, Goudreau came out and was like, I want to be here. Yeah, and that's very that's very notable and important. And And you know what? That is the type of guy, like, even if you want to do major surgery on your core, that is a player that you know behind closed doors and now publicly has said, I want to be part of the solution. I am in it for the long haul. I think it's very important for you to retain players. And obviously this doesn't go this, this, you know, can be taken in different directions and context matters here, but I think it's very important for organizations to try and retain players who specifically want to stay there. Like it's, you know, like we see this time and time again, and specifically like, I know like Calgary's not like a Miami or New York. It's a, it's a great city. I know I'm very good friends with two media members who live there and they really enjoy it. But like we love Haley. Exactly. Haley Savin incredible. And Haley Savin has told me, you know, a ton of times over over the past you know couple of years that like the, the prevailing theory is that or the prevailing thinking is that Johnny Goudreau wants to stay in Calgary. I think it's very important. Well, and now he's publicly. Said exactly. That. But I think it's very important for teams who, you know, I know they're in a Canadian market. But like I said, this is not like a destination place. It's very important for 
teams to try and retain players who want to play specifically in that city. Which is why it was not ideal that like just after Johnny Goudreau said that, Jim Tree Living or Jim Tree Living, Brad Tree yeah. Living. Hey, I'm not the only was, one who's dropping wayward gyms on this podcast, well, okay? Excuse me, at least they're related. Jim Okay. Okay. He, who knows? Jeff Blaschel might have a brother or a cousin named named Jim. He, no. And then boom, I'm I'm um, I'm correct. Brad Tree Living was non committal on re signing him. And to me, like that kind of sends not the best message to the fan base because you have a star player who says, hey, I, like, I want to be here. I, I want to play here and I want to resign here. And then you have the GM who is in hot water to begin with being like, well, I mean, we'll see. Like if I'm a Flames fan, I'm like, are you, are you kidding? <laughs> yeah. What? No, a hundred percent. It just, I don't know. It, I, I don't think, I don't think Calgary is very good at the whole PR thing. <laughs> like I think that, that it's, it, they've, no. they've had some difficult decisions, but yeah, it's, there's another thing of, of as well. Why did Chris Tanev play with broken ribs? And he had the risk of yeah, so puncturing along. Like, like Brad tree living came out and was like, Oh, he got like cross-checked or whatever by pure Luke Dubois, which again, call cross-checking. This is yep. a recording. Um, and he played through with a few broken ribs and torn pec muscle. Um, I don't know if anyone remembers, but like, I want to say like seven or eight years ago in the cup final, Patrice Bergeron played with a separated shoulder and a few broken ribs. And that ended up in a punctured lung. <laughs> like the biggest fear, like I fractured ribs because of gymnastics. Yeah. The biggest fear for when you fracture ribs is that it punctures your lung because you could literally die. And we saw like Pier- Patrice Bergeron very go quickly. through that. That's yeah, harrowing. Like it's, very serious stuff yeah. and that is not something to be screwing around with like especially when the games are meaningless with a bad wrist go ahead you're not gonna like you're not gonna die especially when you're but, not like, in the you playoff race you're not in the you're it, right like, it's meaningless why are you why are you trotting him out there as soon as they should have done with tanov what they did with sean monahan which was as soon as they were eliminated from playoff contention or like reasonable playoff contention that's it like you're done yeah that's it's not happening. You're not playing. We're not endangering you. Like, that's that. Um, but either way, like, Haley Salvian reported, like, it's, it definitely seems like changes are coming. Um, I still think that Calgary should be in the hunt for Jack Eichel. I think that could be a huge, huge ad for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they have the pieces to do it, uh, especially if, like, they want to do major surgery and so does um, Buffalo. Yeah. Uh, I think there's a match there, but there's def- whatever happens, whether it's on or off ice, I, there are changes coming in Calgary. For there sure. have to be. There, yeah, like you said, there have to be changes coming. Like it's, I don't know. It, it, it seems like like we talked about it. Everyone's gonna say what they what they're gonna say. They're gonna they're gonna do their, you know, they're gonna say their PR sort of filtered things. But every it, everyone kind of knows change is gonna come. It's gonna happen. All right, let's move on to Vancouver. The real mess. I mean, this has been. We haven't even had the GM and coach pressers yet. No, which is, wasn't supposed to happen oh, 11, probably 11 a.m. their so time. 2 so PM 2 p.m. And we're recording this at like 12. Yeah. So again, we're going to miss that. And I have a feeling it's going to be just a, a one. It's okay. Monday. We'll be back. Oh, because yeah. Exactly. Like I said, like I said, when it was announced that Benning was probably going to stay, I'm like this. What a tremendous day for content. Like, I cannot wait to talk about it. But so it was, it was reported that Jim Benning is likely going to return to the Vancouver Canucks. His contract is up. They're likely going to sign an extension. Now, the thing is, Jim Benning is objectively terrible at his job. So for him to continue to hold a job, I know that, you know, COVID happened to the Canucks. I know that this is a pandemic season. It's tough to judge anyone, yada, yada. But you look at the track yeah, and record. We'll do, like, we'll talk about Jim Benning next week, like, after his pressure yes. for sure, because I'm sure he's going to say things that he shouldn't. But you can, oh, without a doubt. He shouldn't, they should never put him in front of a microphone. The fact that he is running an NHL yeah, team is abhorrent. Stop. But you can see from, from the demeanor, from the words, from every player, they are pissed. And there was a report, I believe, from Elliot Friedman um, on Sportsnet 650 which is the only radio station that exists in Vancouver anymore because Bell sucks, um, that 
at least one or two of the disgruntled Canucks players are going to ask for trades this offseason. Well, Nate Schmidt did not show up for end of season. Like, he did not show up for an exit meeting. He did not show up for media. Um, it has been widely bandied about in Canucks circles that he is someone that wants out. But, like, just to focus on... How on do some, you like, fuck that uh, up? Hold on. How do you fuck that up? You got Nate Schmidt for a song, for a third-round pick. That is one of the savvy moves of the Benning era. And you blew it! <laughs> yeah, because, uh, I mean, I'm not even remotely oh surprised. God. I knew they were going to blow this. Oh my I'm not God. surprised, which is probably why it like doesn't even hit the radar for me as something that's remotely important, right? But like you have Braden Holpe. So a couple of days ago, you had Demko come out and be like, we need to re-sign Ian Clark. You had Demko's mom say they need to re-sign Ian Clark, saying we desperately need to re-sign him. Then yesterday, the other you had Braden, Braden Holpe go, well, you don't mess with what works. And so you now have two goalies. Tyler Myers said that, he thinks Ian Clark and Travis Green should be re-signed. Like, you have players passionately pleading publicly for Travis Green to return and then were completely non-committal when they were asked about management. And even when they were, like, a bunch of people, and this was, like, brought to me, it wasn't something I went hunting for, mm -hmm. um, that, like, the Canucks, like, management didn't really keep in touch with players like the way that we saw Kyle Dubas sprinting down to the tunnel for John Tavares right and and Bo Horvat was kind of like yeah they checked in like do you know what that body language means it means he's trying not to throw his GM under the bus guys do you have any idea like do you have any like, idea look how at the body language like look at the body language and and I was talking to a couple of Canucks media members about this they can say all they want. It's all lip service. Look at the body language. Elias Pettersson oh my looked God. awful yesterday. He looked like he he looked like Macaulay Culkin really upset. Like after his parents yeah, like left he, him home alone in Home Alone. He looked like that. If, if I'm a Canucks fan, I am deeply concerned about the body language that I saw if yesterday. If I'm a Canucks player, he, I'm furious <laughs> because like yeah. that we have known we have there's been rumblings and like I would say informed rumblings that, that Canucks players were like appalled at the lack of sort of care that management paid to them when the global plague ravaged their team. Yeah. And like, again, like you, you brought up a great example. The second John Tavares went down, Kyle Dubas, you can, you can hear him slapping the desk from, from the press box to call for medical people. And then once they come out, he races down the stairs from where he is in the arena to go be with him by his side. We hear when Eli McCabe slashed his wrist and, and it was in extremely scary in New Jersey. Dubas stayed in the hospital with him overnight. Like, you know, like, like uh, friggin' Channing Tatum did to Amanda Seyfried and goddamn dear John. Like it, like it's, it's a romance novel thing. He cares about his players. And the, like I said, the global plague ravaged these guys and all. And from what we've heard, it was essentially like, Hey, you doing good. You good. You okay. All right, cool. You going to be back in the office anytime soon. You gonna pick up your shift? Like it's it's one of those things. Yeah. And did you notice that like not a single player thanked management, which is extremely for how notable. They handled things. Whereas like when that happened with like Ilya McKay, his like, agent came out and was like, "We Dan love Milstein. Dial. Yeah, exactly. Or like you have other players thanking ownership for taking such good care of them during the pandemic. Like you had Tyler Sagan talking about how Jim Nil for his hip surgery was checking in like multiple times a day. Right. So I think it's it's pretty telling that players were either non-committal when it came to management or they just like flat out forgot to leave them out. Like they thanked the fans. They, thank, they made an impassioned plea for Travis Green. They talked about like wanting to be better and like zero about management. Um, and the other little tidbit that we should just hit on quickly is the Sedins. <laughs> and I think the only reason you want to bring the Sedins in is shields. because they can help. So there's clearly a disconnect between players and management. And I think the Sedin, what their hope is, is that the, the Sedins can be the connect between, like they can form a connection where players feel like their voices are being heard. That's the only reason I think that this is being bandied about is because the, the damage in terms of player relationships has been so, um, like vast yeah. that the only way they think they can do this is 
by bringing in people who have the experience with the Sedins. But the, the thing you have here is they already did this with Trevor Linden. <laughs> And that's one Canuck le legend that they put. And then out. they booted him. They can't do this with the Sedins. If they man, if the organization manages to screw up with the Sedins, their fans will force. They will force them to sell it. This is. It'll be done. They're. they The Sedins are not coming in. Like their their official like LinkedIn sort of job title should be meat shields. It that is what they are. Relationship management. Not even. This is akin to Gary Bettman when the draft was in Vancouver, bringing out the Sedins on the podium so the crowd wouldn't boo him. This is exactly the same. Like it's like, and the thing is, is okay. So manage like the relationship, the relationship between management and the players is so frayed that you need to bring the two greatest players who have ever played for your franchise to help mend it. Okay, cool. Why not just fire the management? And then you go, okay, well, maybe they don't want to fire the management because they built such a good thing there. They're on such a good trajectory. You know, they've had so much success. Th this, this can just help sort of like slap a Band-Aid on the relationship. Well, they haven't done that. They've been consistently terrible throughout the entire Jim Benning era. It's been, it's been awful, and there's, no, there's literally no reason to keep him on. He hasn't done any he – has, he's screwed them cap-wise. He's only drafted good in like the first round, which is what you're supposed to do. And now and, – And to be fair, he doesn't even deserve credit for that. Exactly. So – and then clearly their draft went downhill when, the, when, he, had, when he won a power struggle with a – with, you know, the, the head scout who has now put on, you know, a clinic in Minnesota where he is. The, what they're doing with the Sedins is they're bringing in two scapegoats that they're hoping – literally it's a PR stunt – and the Sedins. Yeah, and the Canucks market are are it, like, it's too smart. This they're, is they're so right this it. is disrespectful to, to the Sedins. They're using they're, they're they're literally weaponizing the 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 reputation of their franchise icons. And if this goes poorly, and it will, mark our words, like this will sw somewhat taint the taint the le taint the legacy of the Sedins in this market too, because everyone will now associate them with this failed sort of PR stunt. It's it's rough. All right, Rachel. Kovalev shift will make this quick. Kovalev was a great shot. Scores! Alex Kovalev! Scores! It's Kovalev! Kovalev scores! Oh, It's... Yeah, so yeah. I, first of all, I was originally going to come on here and yell yeah, about that Shrek too. column because I was oh, not yeah. happy about it. That, like, how dare you? We will not have Shrek slander exactly. on this... That feels like eons anywhere. ago, by the way. Like, that's how quick yeah. the news cycle goes, is that Shrek column was, what, on Tuesday, Wednesday? And that feels like... Tuesday. Tuesday, and that feels like it was a month ago. So, okay. I understand that your job in the media is to report on the happenings and, and, and what happened. And it would be irresponsible to write a game story and not discuss what happened to John Tavares. Mm -hmm. However... It is also, it is actually more irresponsible to continually, like we've got Sportsnet continually showing slow-mo replays. They spent five minutes of intermission. Oh my God. Like provide an update, show a replay for people who haven't seen it and then go. I don't need BXA, who I love on the panel, breaking it down in 10 different iterations i don't need to see it in slow motion like all you're doing is reproducing trauma like we don't need that it is irresponsible to show that kind of thing how do we have and, more and we, of a respect a respectful procedure for broadcasts when it comes to streakers than we do for this guy almost getting his neck broken like broadcasts are not like, supposed what should have happened is he should have been put up like at the second the stretcher was coming out they should have gone to commercial break because what you can do is you can eliminate showing a whole bunch of traumatic things like showing players on the bench in tears, showing players' faces that are in disbelief, showing John Tavares falling backwards. Like you could have eliminated all of that and showed a commercial and then come back and said, okay, this is what happened while you were gone. And then show the, the small clip of him giving the thumbs up as he was leaving the ice. We didn't need to see anything else. Like, that is how that should be approached. And then it got even worse because you wake up the next I morning. Even. Okay, so I'll, I'll yell about it then. You wake up the next morning, and I'll make it quick, and you see the Toronto Sun. No, the Journal de Montréal was worse. Was it? Yes. Do you know what the French translation of that article was? I don't, no. I got 50% um, in grade 9 applied French. It literally said a dramatic victory. 
over and and those words were superimposed over Tavares being kneed in the head by Corey Perry. That is so unacceptable and John Liu called it out. Thank God because I think he said something to the effect of like I can't think of a more classless image to use. The actual translation to the title on the front page of the Journal de Montréal was a dramatic victory. Yeah. If you want to do that, there is a fantastic photo of Paul Byron scoring that Mark Blinch took. It is like yeah. as much as it hurts to say, it is one of the most stunning photos I've oh, it's, seen. Oh, it's incredible. Uh, in a hockey in a hockey context in a while. That would have been incredible and it would have matched your stupid ass headline. Yeah. Right? But instead, we are celebrating essentially a guy who like people thought broke his neck. Are you fucking kidding? Like, what is wrong with you? You people call for the police to investigate Chara yeah. injuring Pacioretty, yeah. but then you want to come with this nonsense. It is... Fuck out of here. It's also just so fucking embarrassing for the the paper of the city that this happened in. The captain goes down. He's got... He's got a young, like literally just, just Sheldon Keefe just now confirmed that John Tavares suffered a concussion, which, you know, like terrible, but also could have been so much worse. So thank God. But like, that's one of the most terrible things you've seen. They have reporters on hand and they put out like, it is a, it is the paper of the city of the captain that just suffered one of the, one of the most gruesome injuries that we've seen in modern sort of that like made everybody sick. It made everyone sick. And and you put out a picture of him, like dizzied on the ice. Like at, at like, there's a reason why, after a knockout in UFC, the the players the, sixty day suspension. What do you mean? You're not allowed to if you get knocked out yeah. in UFC. You're not allowed to fight for sixty. But also, days. you don't like they don't interview you after the fight. And there's a reason no. for that. Oh, yeah, and of one, course, obviously. And one time, Joe Rogan did that to Daniel Cormier, and it produced D- Daniel Cormier, like, crying and all that in, in an interview. And, that, and like, Rogan, like, released an apology. He said it was, you know, and, like, it, all that. Like, it was treated very, very seriously. They took a pi- they used a picture of Tavares at literally his most vulnerable in a state where he could, like, they could have taken a picture of a man whose neck wasn't working anymore. And they put out, with the headline, Captain Crunched. Fuck you. Like you're using a cereal? No, you're using a pun. You're making plays on words with cereal? His wife's going to see that. His kids are going to see that. They might not be old enough to understand, but they're going to see that. His parents! That is, yeah, that is going to be like etched in the archives of newspapers forever. I, and for what? You could have, like, you could have easily taken the, the photo. He gave you a, per- from a media perspective, he gave you the perfect sterling front, front page picture, which is him getting ushered off with the thumbs up. And you send it around them. Or you could have, that is the only acceptable photo to use. Or there. just an action shot of him. Like, at all. And the amount of people who thought it was okay to use a, like, but specifically the Captain Crunch got me because that's, that's almost like mocking him. And for what? Yeah. So and of course it accompanied a it's Steve a, Simmons article. It's it's and Brian Lilly. It's abhorrent. Like I, I, from the bottom of my heart, guys, like don't I, like don't buy the Toronto Sun. Don't line their pockets with the outrage machine. Don't let them get away with this. Don't tweet it. Don't tweet it. Don't tweet it. And also like, also remember that the writers don't choose. Like if you're pissed about the about a thumbnail or a headline or a picture, the right as a guy, you know, as an editor and as a writer, the writers don't choose the the headlines and the writers don't choose the pic, the 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 accompanying picture. That is on the editors. And for And I'm sorry, but that kind of stuff should be what gets you fired. That should be like whoever whoever okay. It should be fireable. Like that is a violation has to be of the CRTC. Whoever whoever okayed that front like, front page for the Toronto Sun, like they should or not the CRTC, the writing version of that. They uh they they should not their parking spot should be like not there yep. when they when they show up tomorrow. It should be gone. All right, Rachel. Anyways, yeah, that's that. Give like me, just in general, if you're part of media we need to be very careful with how we we cover any injuries yeah. and you need to treat it with empathy and with care. 100%. Imagine that whoever gets hurt, their wife, their family is going to see it. And if you would not walk up to them and hand them the newspaper or the thing that you are doing, then you should not be running it. Yeah. Exactly. So, give me before we before we sign off here, give me your prediction for the rest of the series. 
Nope. I'm Okey completely doke. staying away from that. Okay. Leafs and six. Let's go. All right, Rachel. Reach down the podcast. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, literally any podcatcher under the sun. Find the podcast on Twitter at Staff Graph. You can find Rachel on Twitter at Rachel Dory. Me on Twitter at MikeyStevens81. Um, the podcast uh, uh, has merch. Go to redbubble.com slash Staff and Graph Shop. That's where our merch is at. Buy some sweet, sweet swag, sweet merch, whatever the hip youths are saying these days. And uh, leave us a review. And like I always say, if, uh, if you want the re- if we love those positive reviews, but if it's going to be negative, at least make it entertaining so we can laugh at you for being a dork. Rachel, anything you want to leave the listeners with before we head out? Rachel's ear pods have died, so she is going to say wear a mask, get vaccinated and stay safe. We'll see you on Tuesday. 